This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the AEC Engineering and Technology Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping engineering professionals find technology that fits their needs. In this episode, I'll be speaking with Rob Otani, Chief Technology Officer of Thorne Tomasetti, the founder of Core Studio, about the role of artificial intelligence, or AI, and machine learning, or ML, in engineering. We'll discuss the evolution of these fields through technology, examine impactful case studies, and the integration challenges of AI and ML and engineering projects. With that, let's jump into today's episode. Rob, welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. Glad to be here. Rob, could you give us an overview of your role as Chief Technology Officer at Thornton Tomasetti and the founding of Core Studio? Before I was CTO, I've been a structural engineer, practicing structural engineer for many years with an eye on obviously what technology can significantly improve or how it can improve our processes. So the role was a new role within the industry, actually. There wasn't and there still aren't many CTOs in the industry in our AEC field. But we recognized that we needed somebody beyond the CIO who was making our you know, software run to figure out best practices in terms of using software, as well as you know, potentially building new plugins and you know, software to improve our processes as generally a structural engineering firm. So my role really is to look at the landscape of technology that's available to us and figure out what the best practices are around those technologies, but then when it makes sense to build our own software. So we have a whole applications development team, and that has been a big part of how we got into machine learning and AI. Maybe software development is a subset of AI. We started to get into it a long time ago, and it's sort of taken off since then. Rob, your background from just the engineering to project management of structural engineering projects at Thornton Thomas Study, right? I'm sure that domain expertise really helped a lot in trying to figure out this technology strategy for the firm. Yeah. Most important aspect of building your own AI applications is domain expertise, is to figure out how to use the technology or the tool, tools of AI to solve real problems. Like myself, who, you know, have done very repetitive and, you know, annoying things over the years that we know that there's a better way of doing it. And so that's, I think, our first task when it comes to machine learning and AI is to solve those issues. For our listeners who might be new or don't really understand the terminology just yet, could you explain what AI and ML are in the context of engineering? The generic definition of AI is, you know, a technology that replaces what humans do. But that's really, in my opinion, too broad, particularly in AEC. I see it as a technology that learns from information that you give it, i.e. data, and then that can solve tasks that a person does if they get the right data in the right format. So there's basically an input and output. 
So I'll give you, you know, the simplest answer, simplest example, which is actually not that simple, but again, with domain expertise, it can be made simple or simplified is, you know, let's say designing a beam in a building. There are probably 15 to 20 inputs that go into designing a beam in a project. The span, the dead load, the live load, the trip area or trip width, the type of concrete that's on top of the deck or the metal deck itself. So there's all these factors. But if you can narrow down that design space based on, or data space, I should say, based on your experience, then you can narrow the inputs down to a very small number, a relatively small number, and create a data set that can be used to design that particular beam. The first thing you do when you enter an office is a structural engineering office, you need to design beams and columns. So if someone with you know zero to one year's experience can design a beams and columns for the tallest building in the world, you would think that we can design a, you know, a machine learning model that can do the same thing. And I'm not going to say it's easy, but sort of the basics of machine learning, uh, very structured data sets, you can do it. And that's what we've been working on in the last, I don't know, eight years or so on machine learning AI. We're getting to the point of having machine learning models that are almost as accurate as, you know, code-based designers, traditional software. AI ML kind of been working on it for, it sounds like about the past eight years, but was there any event or anything in particular that inspired the shift? One of my developers in 2015, that was about the time when machine learning started to become, I would say, a well-known, at least in the technology firms, you know, the Googles, Amazons, Facebook, first of all, they wouldn't exist without AI. That's what they did. That's the basis of their existence. And so I was like, what is all this about? And, you know, he explained to me that basically you take some smart, solved answers, fit a curve through it, you know, very much like, call it linear regression. Every engineer on the planet knows what Y equals MX plus B is. And if you have a, a pretty clean data set, you can fit a curve through there. And then you ask it a series of questions and you get an answer from solved information. Let's say I take you know, the beam design for the last thousand buildings, which is very hard to do, but let's say that's possible. You're going to get an answer that is pretty close without doing anything. And so th that, what inspired me was like, isn't that what we do every day? But it just takes me five years or 10 years to, without even doing any engineering now, I can probably size most elements of a building. But if we can sort of encapsulate that smart information into an application and have, give access to that to the sort of everyone in the firm and it's accurate we vetted it to the extent that it's accurate enough that's very powerful that saves us a lot of time and what we do throughout the day like you said it takes you five to ten years but you've been training right your not artificial intelligence right your human intelligence it sounds like you're trying to teach a computer to basically do the same thing exactly and i tell people you know i think artificial intelligence is a terrible name for the technology <laughs> Because they're real information. And I show a graph, a linear regression graph, you know, I explain it to my people in my office and I show, okay, if I ask, let's say, you know, some engineering problem to the top 50 people in our office, those answers will be clustered in a very small little subset of a graph, say. If you're taking the answers from the smartest people in the office and putting into a graph, would you trust it? The answer is yes. 
you would still have to do your engineering and use, you know, your analysis tools to confirm all of that and get to the exact answers. But in terms of getting a head start to what the answer should be, that's very powerful for an engineer. Engineers typically today reinvent the wheel every time they do a new design. So instead of making the mistakes along the way, then learning that way, sort of going, you know, forwards and backwards, forwards and backwards, let's just get to the answer and then prove it out later with conventional methods. It's like having a super powered, like junior engineering assistant, right? Can get yeah. you the information you need in a very timely manner, right? And just like anything in the engineering space, up to you to use your judgment to make sure that the information is valid. Right. The cool thing about AI now is that, especially with the large language models that have been released in the last year, it goes way beyond just sort of like the calculations that we do in our engineering space. We've been experimenting with using large lagged models to look into building codes. And we ask it a question, it gives you an answer really quickly back. Looking at old reports. So it can look at, you know, instead of like me looking at like 10 reports and getting bored, it can look at, at 10 million reports and give you an answer back based on those 10 million, you know, PDFs say. So I think that's going to be where everyday users are using ChatGPT to get an answer quickly or a potential answer quickly, that's where it's going to be the most powerful, at least for engineers, is going to give you answers, whether it's about what you're doing on a daily basis really quickly, as opposed to guessing or trying to find the right person in the office that is going to know that answer. We'll be just talking to a bot, basically. That bot, right, was trained or is derived from essentially your brain trust in any company, yeah. right? And that's the, the beauty of it, because if you're careful about how it's trained... You can be very selective about the information you're feeding it in and so on and so forth. Absolutely. And again, it's it's not going to solve every problem, but it will solve a lot of problems. You know, we've been experimenting with our marketing team. So our marketing team has, you know, thousands and thousands of project sheets, which are one or two pagers of project-specific reports, basically. This is the design, this is the project's location, the architect, the engineer, the cost of the project, construction cost, et cetera, and a nice little write-up of that particular project. We've pointed large language models at it, and people, now they can find representative projects for like RFP or RFQ responses, as well as resumes of people that have worked on those projects. And then, you know, basically semi-automates the response of what marketing team does, and they love it. it, saves them so much time. I will say though, I mean, there is some hallucination along the way. ChatGPT is great at making shit up. What we've done is actually is we've very much like Bing does. It gives you the references of those where it sort of extracted that information, that particular information, and then you can go back and verify that. But again, it's a head start. It's not meant to be the end all or the final product. It's meant to be a head start to get our marketing people who maybe have been there only for like less than five years, get access to the people that have been there for 20 or 30 years and have this similar amount of information that they retreat. You've touched on a couple, but any more you'd like to share of case studies or projects where AI and ML have been successfully implemented at Thornton Thomas Eddy? One of our the companies that we, we spun out as a startup called T2D2.AI, which Started out as a R&D project in, I think, 2017 or 18. 
within a six-month period, be able to train a model to detect a crack in concrete using computer vision. And, you know, we extended that training to, you know, cracks, all, all kinds of exterior facade damages, spalls, exposed rebar for different materials, rust, things like that. And then that was wrapped into a startup company. And so now they can do a building inspection in, you know, fraction of the time that a person can do it manually, let's just say. That is one case where it sort of changes the paradigm of how you do your work, which is something that I haven't talked about. Again, we're only at the beginning of the journey of, you know, AI utilization in the industry. So a lot of the AI solutions that you'll see, including T2D2, is replacing what a person does manually. There is going to be technologies out there that AI will create basically new ways of solving a problem as opposed to just replicating what we've done in the past. We're not there yet. The fact that the technology keeps improving seemingly daily, there's definitely going to be something out there that improves significantly what we do, how we do our work. Rob, coming from the restoration side of the business, right? One example I always give with something like T2D2, right? So instead of going to count cracks or right quantify spalls on a building facade, right? You as a designer can spend that time thinking about how you may want to detail a repair instead of this incredibly manual and arduous task, right? And it just, like you said, it creates new avenues and new ways of doing things. Ultimately, I think letting engineers focus on what they excel at. This is where I think it opens up new opportunities where if in the ultimate goal of what T2D is meant to be, it's meant to be like going to your dentist every six months, right? Instead of, you know, not going to your dentist for years and finding yeah, you need to root canal and all kinds of procedures, you go there very often because you can do this very often, low cost, but save a ton of money downstream. And so now we can not just do like an inspection on day one, let's say year one, Year two, we can find what, figure out what the differences are and how the existing damage is accelerating or not, which is something that we don't typically do today because it's very manual. We're not looking at comparing crack to crack to crack or whatever that damage may be. So then that's another sort of aspect of having digitized version of what we do. There's new opportunities and value that we're creating using that type of technology. Rob, any other thoughts on the use of AI and ML applications to increase the efficiency and effectiveness of engineering projects? One of the most untapped aspects of what we do is project management, which evolves, has a technical aspect, has a finance aspect, staffing, and personnel. When I say staffing, I mean the number of staff, but also the actual personnel. And all that information is embedded in multiple different software and sometimes it's not tracked at all. But if we can figure out the sort of secret sauce or the chemical makeup of a profitable project versus a not profitable project and see the cues of when certain projects might go awry, again, it's just data, right? It's just being able to harness that data. We have the information, but it's usually locked in some platform that we can't get access to. That's going to significantly improve what we do. I mean, we've the whole accounting and finance aspect of AEC is pretty archaic, pretty old technology. I mean, 
just started to release APIs for their data set, right? So once we started to get a nice sort of clean path of information streaming to us in terms of who the clients are, the type of projects, the schedule, the expenditures that we're spending on a daily or monthly basis, then you can make take actions using that data set. Again, personally, I would start without AI. I would start with just using the data, use data analytics first, but that predictive nature of AI can be layered on afterwards. And we've only just started that, understanding that, or even having the ability to do that, to be honest. Rob, we've talked a little bit about, right, either the benefits of AI that are in force today, what's coming down the pipeline, but what about some of the challenges of integrating AI and ML into engineering projects? My biggest challenge that I've found is in the engineering space is people are resistant to change. That's the hardest thing. But on a technical level, engineers need to have that comfort level that it's giving them an answer that they would predict themselves. So I've been very slowly going to office to office, or I'm going to give a whole office-wide presentation recently, just educating people about what's under the hood of what we've done so that there's no surprises. It's not going to get you to 100%. I tell young engineers, your answers are never 100% anyway. Once you get comfortable with what it's getting to you, and then you can pretty simply use conventional methods to check, then you can significantly leverage the technology as a tool to do something that would normally take you three days. You can do it in one day and be confident enough that it's something, you know, that you can move on to doing some other task. Those are the biggest barriers. And I will say just educating people about what AI and ML is. People don't even realize they're either using or they're being, things are being a sort of around them are using AI. They don't even know it. So I think making that shift of actually understanding what it is, understanding that how it can be used in your projects to improve your daily workflow, and then ideally coming up with new ideas about how this can be used. So we've been experimenting with, uh, you know, engineers love spreadsheets, right? Everyone has their favorite spreadsheets. We just started to take spreadsheets and train models from them using their own spreadsheets. So they've already figured out the back end of what it's predicting. If I can get to 95% accuracy using their spreadsheets in a second that, you know, they would have to enter a bunch of things and I can use it on an entire building, say, as opposed to like one element, that's really powerful. So I think it's just getting a comfort level, understanding that this is like essentially Excel on steroids at simplest level, then I think engineers will start to uh, sort of utilize it as a technology. Rob, how do you envision AI and ML being integrated into like these everyday workflows of engineers? It's interesting because I think there's been a trend when I started in my career, we had to sort of optimize what we did because we couldn't do a full building design. It was too arduous. We didn't even have 3D modeling software. It's like 2D modeling software. So you're not going to model a whole building anyway. I mean, you could do it, but it was a very manual process to get 3D elements, 3D node geometry into a model that you barely can visualize. So we learned how to do everything in 2D and then apply it to a three-dimensional thing, object building. And I think over the last 15 years, engineers have become overly dependent 
on these 3D modeling software to the extent that they might miss exactly sort of like what's going on in their project. They're letting the machine do it all, which is okay if the machine is doing it right. But we sort of overdo it in early design phases of design. So like I know for a fact that we build 3D models in schematic design or very early design phases of design that's going to get changed 10 to 15 times down to like the number of studs that are in a beam or, you know, the sheet, all that stuff, as opposed to using their sort of, again, engineering ability to be confident enough that they just design, let's say one or two bays of steel framing or like a few columns to get a sense of what those sizes might be, as opposed to doing an entire building analysis. And I actually think AI and ML can foster that in the early phases, like almost going back to what we did in the past, which is doing solving subsets of the entire building and using our own AI, our own brain, to feel comfortable with that this is going to work within the entire three-dimensional building. I'm an advocate of 3D, so we can do the subset of that design, but still do a very, you know, beautiful, fancy 3D model for visualization and for, you know, delivering our design to a client or an architect without going through the process of a very arduous 3D FEA modeling exercise. That would be my goal, at least first for the next five years, is to sort of automate those early design processes. Robin, some of the tools that you've shown me, right? Let's go back to that 15 parameter beam design we discussed earlier. Maybe there's a chat GPT-esque interface, right? That asks for a couple basic parameters, right? And hey, here's a typical interior bay of a steel structure. And you're just able to generate very rapidly, but at the same time, be able to do some quick mass and calculations on the back end to verify it, right? That to me sounds more of like an SD level. Hey, like let's get this thing roughed out because we know it's going to change as the design team iterates. Yeah. Because of how good, essentially, the software have become, the FEA software, including their modeling techniques, but also their designers, their, you know, code-based designers, engineers are so reliant on those. But the reality is what the clients need at those early phases, they don't need to know all that very specific detail. They need to know broad characteristics of how deep is your structure, how many pounds per square foot is your floors. Those types of things that you don't need to do a full engineering design to figure out. Now, there's some experience that goes with that to the extent of how much you need to do these little subset design explorations, but that's what being an engineer is. If you're going into the computer model and you know letting the computer do it, you're not really an engineer. You're being a data entry person, letting the machine do all the work. But the fact that we spend 30 to 40% of our fee, or at least that's the allotment of our fee typically for those early design phases, if we can significantly you know, cut into that, one, we can do a better job of our final design, deliverable, but also just save money on, on those particular projects. I think that's the, the, the initial goal, you know, the next five years, that's what the, the big goal is. For those either coming into the profession or those already in who are interested in specializing in AI and ML in our field, right? What advice would you give them? You know, training. I took some weekend classes, online classes. I've taken online classes around AI and ML. Just understand what are the ingredients to it to best leverage the technology, what it can do. But the combination of using a tool 
a machine learning tool and also understanding the basics of what goes behind the engineering principles is going to be the sort of most important aspect of the future engineer. I go to what uh, Jensen Huang said of, from, you know, from NVIDIA is something about, you know, AI won't take your job, but someone who knows how to use AI will. That's really true. Like even now I use ChatGPT for summarizing a nice little paragraph of text or whatever, or searching serve for some, a write-up of, of whatever. And, and it, it does it so fast. And its English is way better than what my English can do. Let's face it, engineers take like one class for expository writing or whatever. ChatGPT has done it on billions of data points. So it's going to write an, an, an English report way better than an engineer can, or most engineers, I should say. Rob, thank you so much for joining us today. If the audience wants to connect with you, right, find out a little bit more about what you do, AI, ML, et cetera, like what's the best way to reach you? I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. I check it every day. It's a good place to uh, find people and companies that are doing interesting things. And um, that's how I met you, at least through some other channels, through Shadow. That's the, probably the easiest way. Which is great to hear, right? Because as we see AEC people, companies, et cetera, become more popular on LinkedIn and other social platforms, right? It just helps the knowledge sharing and getting everybody right to the same end goal, essentially. Absolutely. And I learn stuff, you know, not, I wouldn't say every day, but quite often on LinkedIn, like what people are doing in this space. That's part of keeping ahead of the robots is to learn something new every day. And, you know, LinkedIn is not the best platform, but it's a platform that, uh, you know, there's a lot of new information that comes out. And the more you're connected, the more you're going to see posts. And to me, that's the best way to get connected with like-minded people. Thank you so much again for joining us and we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Dick. Please remember, you can find the show notes for this episode at aectechpodcast.com. There, you will find a summary of key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering and technology endeavors. Thank you.